they're walking in and I get to be the hostess with the mostess, explain to them who I am, what I do, and I'm booking clients through that method. Again, using my showroom as a portfolio, as a window to who I am and what they can have. Is opening a retail store the right decision for your design firm? Today, we're talking with Victoria Sanchez, and we're going to get down to it. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, and welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Darla Flashdance Powell, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Natalie Ann Giraffe, the crime-fighting giraffe. Yes, hello, welcome. Yes, I am that. That is me. All of me. (laughs) All of me. Oh, no. Natalie Graff, how the hell are you? I'm pretty good. I'm ready for summer already because I'm ready to go fishing. You know, it's still winter. I know, but I can hope for summer days. I'm tired of all this darn wind. And you live in Miami. There's no fishing in January in Miami, or I guess February. Well, this is February, but yes. If, <laughs> since we do record this a little out, I hope by the time this airs, I have gone fishing. At I, least once or twice. At least. Well, only once, because, you know, my you're, days are pretty booked. You're much easier to live with when you can go fishing. <laughs> I am, I am. Wow. Just saying. Just, just saying. saying. Natalie, I'm super stoked. I'm aware of this. I, you know, there's two reasons why I'm stoked. Uh, but I'm okay with the first one. I don't know if I'm okay with the second one. <laughs> the but go first ahead. one is I did my little pre-show warm up with my brand new Sony MX1000 headphones. Not sponsored, thank you. I love them. I was listening to house music and dancing around. You were dancing like a fool around the house. I got some sweet started. moods, right? That's uh, not what Radar said. <laughs> He's the dog, by the way. She's a maniac, maniac. Remember that? from? Oh, you're too young. Gosh, I don't remember that. I keep, I I keep forgetting. The second reason I'm so excited is I'm actually doing a speaking gig at a non-interior design event. But some of you guys might be interested in this. I know we do have a lot of listeners that are thinking about doing a podcast, might have their own podcast. And that is PodFest 2020, March 6th through the 8th in Orlando, Florida. Guess what else is in Orlando? I have no idea, nor do I want to know. <laughs> Star Wars Land. Yeah, no. And Disney World. I don't think we're going to have that much time because think... right after that event, Darla, did you realize that I booked you to speak? What? <laughs> Wait, no. I, I want to go to Star Wars Land and Disney World. Surprise. Wait, before you get into that, let me oh. give the listeners... If you want to come down to Orlando, and I want to do a twofer and go to Star Wars Land and Disney World with us, and we are going to make it happen. Just like I got my John Wick action figure, I will get this as well. Go to podfestexpo.com, and you can get all the deets. I'm actually speaking on a panel. Here, I'm not a keynote speaker at this one, baby steps outside the industry. But it's a speaking gig. How exciting is that? All right, Natalie. So after we go to Star Wars at Disney World, oh, and speak at PodFest, I guess that's important too. What else you got for me? So I have the Risa chapter of Miami is going to hold a little small event on March 11th from 6 to 8 p.m. in Coral Gables at the Brookshire Hathaway Home Services. And that has to do with you are going to give a presentation. Did you know this? 
I'm finding this out now. Yes, your presentation is going to be on how to use social media to accelerate your business. Yeah, buddy, because it sure as hell can. Okay, cool. It can, and there will be more to follow on that. This is a new upcoming event that we just scheduled uh, not too long ago, so there'll be more information to come. Awesome. We can find out by the time this episode airs, I think we should have all the deets and it should be in the we show should. notes. And you can check that out at wingnutsocial.com slash podcast and go down to the show notes for this episode with Victoria Sanchez. And you can read about all the deets. I would love to see you guys there. Coral Gables is in Florida, by the way. <laughs> you a- would have to maybe want to come to Florida to visit and say hello, but it would be a great thing to do. Why not? You can go to the uh, the That's design the- district. Yeah. You can Ooh. go to South Beach. Ooh. You can get out of that nasty cold weather that yeah. most of you are in that listen to this. Come down and get Just sexy. Saying. Get sexy at South Beach. I, I love South Beach. I haven't been there in a while. I hate South Beach. Of course you do, Amish. All right, Natalie, let's talk about our guest today in our show. Natalie, we have a guest today who has a showroom. She's an interior designer with a showroom. She's here to espouse the virtues of having a retail space. In this day and age of digital shopping, Amazon, uh, your client's going to Wayfair and getting that shitty $20 lamp (laughs) when you've actually tried to get them to buy something high quality, something gorgeous, something well-made that'll last for generations, like something from Korean company, dare I say, our sponsor. Um, So she's going to talk to us about her experiences with opening up a retail space. Is retail dead? How's it doing for her? How's it helping her with their interior design firm? And this makes me want to do a little trip on the Wayback Machine and remind our listeners of a episode we had last year with Cheryl Keys Clendenin. Freedom! You can that say. totally explains why before the podcast you were practicing your Scottish freedom. Okay, I get it now. You can take my land, but you can't take my freedom! Cheryl Keys Clendenin of In Detail Interiors was on the show last year, and man, she couldn't speak highly enough of having a retail space. So we're going to see if that jibes with Victoria's experience. I mean, she just opened up a new one in Santa Fe, so I have a little inkling that she's going to be pro-retail store. But let's find out. But before we find out, let me tell you just a very little about Victoria Sanchez. Victoria Sanchez is one of America's premier design professionals. She has been creating one-of-a-kind interiors for hundreds of clients over the past three decades. Her new showroom and design firm recently relocated from Washington, D.C. to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I have to tell you too, Natalie, I was checking out her website and she has the most gorgeous hand renderings on her website for her projects under her portfolio, but I digress. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Victoria Sanchez to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Victoria Sanchez. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm doing swell, Darla. And you? I am doing so swell that I am swollen. <laughs> is that it or is that all the salt and the sodium you ate yesterday? Oh Which my God. Is it? it could be all the salt okay. that I ate yesterday. Just I, checking. I already broke my New Year's resolutions. That was oh, fast. Gosh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I drink martinis no. a lot and I like my martinis with blue cheese stuffed olives and talk about oh. swollen. Oh, you're my kind of girl. Yeah. Let's hang out. We're fl- I'm flying to Santa Fe, Nat. I'll be back shortly. You're just going to go have a drink and come back. Yeah, just with the blue cheese olives. We'll record later. I'm gonna, there you go. I'm going to be one of those people that just flies to Paris to have a croissant, you know? No, for, for an engagement, you know? I mean, yeah, I know. For me, it's a year in planning. 
right? I, that's how Natalie is too. I've been trying to talk her into doing a spontaneous trip. I'm like, hey, let's just go to the airport, have our, you know, have a backpack and go pick out a flight and just let's surprise ourselves. And she just will not do it. She's too much of a control freak. Nope. But I digress. I'm with Natalie. So Victoria, to, are, are Thank you? Thank you, Victoria. Thank All you. All right. Well, I'll have the blue cheese olives and Natalie can try. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Now that we have that all worked out, let's talk about having a showroom for your interior design business. I'm going to be all serious now. Okay. Let's talk about having a, a store. So we we did have an episode last year. I'm not sure if you had the um, chance to listen to it with Cheryl Keys Clendenin. Hold on. I have to do this. Freedom! <laughs> about having a, display, a retail store that kind of married with her design business. She you know, has the design firm. Here's a sofa. Guess what? Here it is. I'm selling it to you. So tell us a little bit about your retail store, and then we'll dig into the benefits of it for your interior design business. Because you've opened not one, but two. Uh, yeah, she has. That's right. So I'm originally from the D.C. area, born in D.C., raised in Northern Virginia, went to interior design school there, grad school there. All my clients were there. This is the first time I've lived anywhere but Washington, D.C. So since my entire career was there, I was pretty well established. And one of the things that I really felt was a gap for my business and my clients was the ability to reach into my retail store, load up my car and take things. Or as I was sharing a design concept or trying to turn them into a design client as opposed to a retail customer, I found that being able to walk through my store and say, this is the kind of upholstery that we offer. This is the kind of accessories that I would see in your bookcases. They were my sales tools. The store is a portfolio of my work and who I am. And I think one of the keys isn't just the quality, letting people feel and touch and experience what they may have in their house. But more importantly, when you're working with a designer, it's about personality or you know many other types of work as well. But clients hire us because they say, you know what? I think I like her. Or I think I like them. And we all know that when you're working with someone, you're sitting on their bed and asking, which side of the bed does your husband sleep on? And sometimes if you're working on a bathroom design, you're actually sitting on their toilet and having a discussion (laughs) with them. So it's super personal. And when folks would come into my retail store and they got to know me, then it was like a win-win for both of us. I got to feel them out. They got to feel me out. And that to me was a big, big benefit of having that retail store. It increased my design client significantly. I'm not sure I like how this is going. I'm, I'm, because Darla's over here giving me like the eyes and light bulbs and a like and, and a thumbs up and, and mouthing <laughs> to me. See, I told you. So I'm, I'm not sure. I think this podcast should come to an abrupt end, <laughs> and we should tell you to go have a martini Hush. and be done. Hush on it. I'm just saying. Victoria, let me ask you really quick. What came first, the chicken or the egg, for your design clients? Do you focus more on people are coming into your stunning showroom? By the way, I saw pictures on the on the. Uh, website. Thank you. And wanting to buy items. And then here you happen to be the interior designer. Let me put that together for you. Are people coming to as the interior designer primarily? And then, hey, you've hired the right gal because look at my stunning showroom. Good question. So in Alexandria, my reputation was preceding me. And I'll brag and say I was the nicest home shop in town. Uh, Most complete, prettiest, blah, blah, blah. So my reputation there preceded me. People knew what I was doing. Here in Santa Fe, it's very different. Because I'm a new girl in town, folks are definitely coming into my showroom. They don't know me. They might have seen 
my advertising somewhere. They're popping in to check out what I have and who I am. So yes, to your point, they're walking in and I get to be the hostess with the mostess, explain to them who I am, what I do, and I'm booking clients through that method. Again, using my showroom as a portfolio, as a window to who I am and what they can have. That's awesome. I love that you have both experiences because on one hand, you're the 30-year designer who has the showroom, so the design work's leading in, so that appeals to that side of the audience. And on the other hand, even though you're not a baby designer, but your hashtag baby designer dollar goes to Luann Naguerre every time we say it, because you're new in Santa Fe, you have the reputation uh-huh. so that can show both viewpoints from both sides for people starting out who are newer to the industry, people who are older to the industry, the benefits of doing either or both. Did I say that right? I don't think so, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. And I think that for me, speaking for my 40 years of experience or 38, or I guess it's 38 years, people walk in and they can tell straight away, I know what I'm doing. I'm an older gal. I've been down this block before. And I do have a lot of my, I don't even know what you call them, the little do-wonkers, like when you're in the newspaper or... What do you call that, them? I think that is the technical term, the do-wonkers. <laughs> the do-wonkers, like your mm-hmm. little braggy stuff. There's mm-hmm. a word for it. Yeah, Anyways. No, it, it, it is so, do-wonkers. Yeah. So I have some of that stuff around just to, just to let people know. But I think one of the things that's tricky about a retail store, and it does sound like it's so much fun, and it is beyond a huge amount of work. It's not for everybody. It's not for any time in your life. You really need to make sure that you've got, like, I couldn't do it till my kids were in high school because, you know, it's all consuming. I can imagine. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff about a retail store that is fabulously beneficial. I've already mentioned the window into who I am, the window into my work, people being able to touch and smell. (laughs) (laughs) Your do-wonkies. I always have candles burning. But, you know, so people understand the environment that they may have. All of that is great. On the other hand, it is expensive. It's very time-consuming. I found that I was running around with my clients all day long. I had a staff of six in Alexandria. Wow. Yeah, we were super busy, but you always have to have somebody on the floor because it's not me. I'm the designer. I'm out in the field. You know, so you have to make sure that your numbers are going to be there for the overhead that you're going to carry. The ratio between retail and design is about 25, 30% retail. And the balance is your design work. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're not making money off of um, throws and and candles and pillows. (laughs) Really? That sounds so lucrative. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I know. 1,000 candles a day. I'm going to corner the candle market. (laughs) And then you've got to go to the markets. I was going to, um, well, I still do. I go to High Point twice a year. And then I would take a train up to New York a couple times a year, if not more. And then also Atlanta. So you've got to have the money for all those trips. You've got to have the money to buy all your inventory. You know, the display. I got to a point where I was so busy, I had somebody who did the display in my store. Oh, that's that's the best part. That's the part I love the most is doing the displays. I have so many questions. I have one before you didn't ask yours. We're going to fight for questions. <laughs> Victoria, I think it's important for me to, to have this little side segue. You did mention that you were older. I myself am 51. I'm turning 52. Is it okay to tell the wingnuts how old you are? Because we do have a lot of audience members who are older in their 50s, 60s. Hell, we have some that are pushing 70s who I just want to remind them how relevant they are in the industry. I think it's really important for a number of reasons, mostly because with age comes wisdom and experience and 
you know, you can turn around and look and you're not green anymore. We've been burned. We've been sued. We've been hated on by clients. I mean, I went to Marymount. Marymount in Arlington was an all-girls school. (laughs) And that's where I went to college. And I think there might have been 12 girls in our class. And we had basically two professors that taught all the courses. And we didn't have anybody for interiors, history of interiors. So we had to import a teacher from the community college. That's how small this place was. And this was 1982. I graduated in 84. Went to the community college first and then went to this private college to get my degree. But the story is... So long ago, we were required to wear high heels, pantyhose, <laughs> and dresses when we went to the showrooms. Oh, Lord. Or if we had a guest speaker. I'm out. You know, we did everything in triplicates. There was no computers. There weren't any forms. Everything was in triplicates when you placed your orders, et cetera, et cetera. My point is, is that today cannot relate to, but it comes from a very structured, respected, I don't want to say elite But maybe because I was in this all-girl private school, they made it more elite. But that's what comes with age, is remembering those things. And um, pantyhose and high heels. I remember having to go to junior high school in pantyhose and high heels and dresses. I hated it. So, so glad that times have changed. But I digress. I just wanted the listeners to know. By the way, I don't think you did say how old you were. No, because she's smart. Is it okay to say? No, she's smart. Absolutely. I'll be 58 years old in April. April 27th, in case anybody wants to send me a little card. Oh, excellent. (laughs) You're you're a a fellow Taurus. Darla, you better write that down because she's expecting a card from you. (laughs) All right. Thank you for sharing that, Victoria. I just want them to know that we're relevant. A lot of my listeners are in their second career, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, like I said. But I digress, but I just want to thank you You're going to let me talk now? Well, yes. Okay. Okay, good. Because I have lots of questions. I, I'm, I'm going to just start with a simple one before we dive into the money questions because I was, I was listening. I'm paying attention. But how did you figure out when the right time in your career was to open a retail location? I know you said something about waiting about the kids in high school and all that good stuff. So when was our time right for you? A couple of layers to that question. First and foremost, putting time aside, is it right for you? Period. And I am a retail person. My first job, I graduated on a Friday from high school. I started on Monday uh, working in a retail store in, in Alexandria on King Street, nine blocks away from where I had my store decades later. And I love retail. I love retail. I love people. So for me, retail has been part of me. I think that's the most important thing is do you like people? Because if you, if you don't <laughs> <Uh-oh>. like people, <laughs> retail may not be for you. So I already had that box checked. But when I opened up my business in 2000, when my ex-husband left, my kids were three and five, and I made a conscious decision not to put them in daycare. I wanted to take care of my kids and be there for my kids. So I bought a house walking distance to the elementary school. I'd shuttle them down to school real quick, see my clients. Um, My daughter was in preschool. You know, I had to pick her up by 12. You know, that was the life I led for many years working out of my house, as so many gals and guys do. And then I knew the only way for me to expand was to get out of my house. And so I got a office space in a very cool warehouse down on the river in Alexandria. At the same time, I was working on my master's, which also was part of how I understood where to take my business. My research was leading me to the retail path at that time. So once I got comfortable with paying rent, small as it was, for my loft space, 
I then just had to take that leap of faith because I was working nine to 10 o'clock at night. And so my kids were old enough that they were much more self-sufficient. That was a big, big plus. I also had clients in my books that were ongoing. So I knew I had cash flow to start off with. I had so many relationships and resources in the industry. I felt that I had my tools in place, which is critical. And I guess I had the money. <laughs> that helped. You know, that actually is a good transition for this question. <laughs> okay, so you did mention before that it's quite expensive. And you have to also consider your other expenses, like how often are you traveling to High Point, you're going to PodFest, you're going to do, you know, so let's talk about that expense. Clearly, you found out that the balance worked out for you that the expense was worth it for you in the bottom line. But let's talk about some of the expenses and how in the black you would have to be in order to even think about opening up a retail space. Right. Well, I think, you know, once I got here to Santa Fe for my second one, it was easy. And sadly, like, I think I spent, I don't know, maybe 50000 or something. And I know that sounds, it, it is a chunk of change, but I think I spent fifty, and it was just like, yeah, okay. So anyways, here's, here's money, here's money, here's money, here's money. And it was very painless, which sounds ridiculous, but it um, was so much less painful this time around and, and far less scary. Was it also 50000 this time around? Because we're talking about- Oh, no. Th- no, yeah. <laughs> this time around was fifty. And this showroom is 2,000-something uh, square feet, 2,084, or, you wow. know, something like that. That's but it's 2,000 square feet. And I, I have light windows on both sides. It's, it's really great. Contemporary. The place in Alexandria was also 2,000 square feet. And this is including my studio space, library, my desk, et cetera. But the place in Alexandria had been a Yves Delorme store. So the millwork in there, it was kind of in three sections, my store, if you will. It was a 100-foot-long old store built in the 30s, you know, in the historic Alexandria area. So the front room was the cash wrap and I made it very much like a living room and put my more expensive stuff in the front so people could see it from the windows. Then we went into the middle part of the store, which was quite large. I had beautiful tall ceilings there, but the millwork had been put in place for all of the linens. So I had under cabinet storage and everything above, you know, whatever it was, 22 inches high was shelves. Sounds lovely. However, that meant I had to fill every one. So, <laughs> and that was a lot of money. So the center of my floor in that big room was, again, more seating. I could have, you know, an 84-inch sofa with a coffee table, some chairs, the lamps, the, you know, all the, the vignettes. Um, at any given time, we had three seating areas and complete seating areas. But filling up those shelves, we had at any given time about 150 pillows. Wow. <laughs> yes. No, no wonder were, Alexandria was a little more expensive than Santa Fe. You were cornering the pillow market. Oh, my God. We were the <laughs> queen of pillows in, in that area. Santa Fe, actually, I think, Natalie, you just said something about Alexandria being more expensive. Um, Santa Fe is about as expensive. It is not inexpensive. This is the most expensive city. It's the capital city, but in the state. So my rent on my house that we had here in Santa Fe last year exceeded my mortgage in Alexandria. And I had a six-bedroom house on, on the water in Alexandria. So it's expensive here. Natalie and Giraffe. Yes, Darla Jethro Powell. Who is our go-to vendor for Darla Powell Interiors? Oh, that's easy. 
Curry and Company. And why is that, Natalie? Oh, because let me tell you, they have beautiful stuff. They are every designer's and, of course, project manager. That's me. Dream to work with. <laughs> because did you know that over 90% of their stuff is in stock? That's like 1,700 SKUs at all times. I did. And Curry and Company has top-notch service, quick shipping, and very reasonable order minimums, which is really important, if, especially if you're a hashtag baby designer. Absolutely. I know you guys go to them first. Say, hey, we're going to hit Curry and Company. What do they got? How can they help us? It's amazing. So Darla, where do they have to run on over to? That's right. So guys, be sure to head on over to curryandcompany.com and scroll your little fingers on down to that designer checkbox and sign up for their stellar trade program today. Oh, and be sure to tell Beth Ann that we sent you. She's amazing. I love Beth Ann. She's a fireball. I wish I had her energy. Again, that's KoreanCompany.com. You can thank us later. Natalie and I were in Alexandria a couple years ago, and I love that location. It's such a quaint town, and it really lends itself to having a storefront, having a shop, and, and shopping. So let's talk about location a bit and how important location is. How does your Santa Fe location compare with the Alexandria one? Is it more of a destination, or do you, are you picking up more walk-by traffic? Which would you recommend would be more important for someone looking to grow their interior design clientele? If you were there a few years ago, you probably came into my store. I was on the 1100 block of King Street, which is going towards the metro, not on the water. The water side of Alexandria is hardcore tourists, the t-shirt shops, the, you know, the, the restaurants, everything down there on the first four to five blocks from the river up, very touristy. Once you crossed Washington Street, which is the north-south road there, on the other side, much more local. So I knew I wanted to be in the local area, not in the tourist area. Because the tourists, oh, here's the thing. <laughs> this is like when you kind of hate people. The, <laughs> the tourists, you know, hot summer day, they would get off at the metro station and walk whatever it was, 18 blocks down to the river. You know, they thought that would be a good, and it is, it's a lovely walk. But it's summer and you're hot. So they would come into the store and they'd plop their ass down on my oh, linen furniture. Yes. I didn't even think about that. It was, yeah. it, it was crazy hot when we went. We went in July. Yep. So um, it's hot and humid and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Is your hand raised? I see your hand I raised. I swear I didn't do it. I did not leave you a sweaty ass print on the sofa. I promise. <laughs> I tell you. I mean, that's not something that you think about. But I never would have thought of that. And since I knew the town so well, I'd been working in Old Town forever, that was something that was important to me is not to be with the hardcore tourist area, but the local area. I also was on the block that had competitors. And I think that most of us would go, oh, I don't want to be near them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm That was my first thought. But no, it's great because the gals, you know, they're getting their hair done, their facials, they got to run and get a gift, they need a new top for whatever. So the local gals, if they see a spot to park near you, they're going to get out because they're going to say, I can run and go see Victoria and I can go see John and I can, you know, I can go see three or four stores and knock them all out with one parking spot before I have to pick up the kids. Oh, that's a great point. So they can actually knock out a lot of birds with one stone and go see a whole bunch of stores. And that makes it more likely for more people to come into yours. Huh? That's very, that's very, yes. that's good. Did you do the same thing now in Santa Fe? Or because you were so new? Did you kind of just like guess? Nope, totally different strategy. Ooh. Here, I am in a business park. Pacheco Park has other like minded businesses. I'm next to the Hunter Douglas showroom. 
I'm next to another interior designer who is very well established. She's been here for decades, does not have a showroom like I do. Hers is more office and by appointment, but we have a a plumbing showroom, high-end plumbing, sort of like Ferguson. Mm -hmm. We have some folks that do closets. We have folks that do countertops. We have a beautiful showroom that does contemporary lighting. You know, so we have, and I have being here at the top, I'm the second showroom in, in this little darling office park. Across the parking lot for me is one of the most popular little lunch spots in town. Upstairs, I have a hair salon. So I'm getting the ladies that lunch and the ladies that are getting their hair done. You know, they pop in like, oh, I didn't know you were here. Mm-hmm. And then I also have like-minded consumers that Greg, my friend, at, it's called La Luz, his, his uh, showroom for lighting. lighting. Greg would, would say, have you seen Victoria? Victoria is a new showroom here. You should go up and see her. And they're already in that house mindset. So I chose that, this location of being in an office park instead of being on Canyon Road, instead of being um, right down by the plaza, because I already know what that takes. And I don't want a staff of six. I don't want a staff of of three. We moved to New Mexico to take care of my mother and my father. My mother turns 86 tomorrow. My dad just turned 89. Yeah, she's (laughs) losing her memory. So mom doesn't know how old she is. Um, I told her today she was 108 and she... She was like, am I? <laughs> like, no, mommy. No, you're not. I'm kidding, mom. <laughs> so long, um, but so funny. Oh, we, she, she and I were laughing about it. And I said to my mom, I said, now that you're so old, daddy doesn't want to be married to you anymore. He wants a younger woman. My dad's 89, you know, so we all got a good chuckle out of it. But I wanted to have my time for my parents. And if I had that very busy, higher revenue, of course, much more foot traffic, much more exposure, retail environment, I would not have been able to help my dad when he was in the hospital and then in a wheelchair for um, four months after that. So that was a big part of my thinking. Okay, was to so, be in a spot that is totally different. Totally and that's important. Different. Those are things you have to consider when opening this, uh, opening up a store is what is it, my personal life like? What are my personal responsibilities? So with you in the new kind of, I want to say warehousey, although it does sound like it's retail warehousey. We actually have a, a store here in Miami. It's called Urban Loft. That's in a similar situation with like-minded stores around them. And they, they have a beautiful showroom and they do really well. But there's the 25-75% ratio, 25% showroom, 75% design clients ratio still hold up in the warehousey type situation versus your Alexandria location? No. Okay. And the reason no is... Although I've been in Santa Fe for a year and a half now, we officially opened up our showroom at the end of August. Okay. So I've been I've been open what four months. I see. Okay. And and also here in Santa Fe, we can be very seasonal. So a lot of folks from Texas, Arizona, where the heat is terrible during the summer months, they have second houses here. Our opera is a huge attraction. Opera season is in the summer. We've had a lot of people leave Santa Fe, go back to their homes for the next six months, and then we're going to get them back in May. Okay, so definitely a different kind of situation than than the Wingnuts listing might be, have in their hometown. Yes, Natalie? Yeah, it's a little seasonal. How did you go about getting your name out there? Say, hey, everybody, here I am. Come yeah, see me. I think she's getting to marketing. I think that's what I, marketing. That's where I was headed. So marketing, and um, I have a soapbox that I won't pull out, but I'll drop a little soapbox hint. I think that marketing is a course that needs to be taught to interior designers. I'm passionate about 
the education of interior design. And I think that our education is lacking in certain areas and marketing has become paramount. I mean, if you don't have a marketing plan and you're just floating around, yeah, not so bueno. So marketing for me, I hired somebody. I hired Andrew Joseph out of New York. The reason I picked Andrew was because we actually knew a bunch of people in common. So I felt good about that. You know, other people like other designers, people that are successful. (laughs) So I thought, well, you know, they're doing well. Maybe, you know, I can do well. So, so anyhow, so I hired Andrew because I did need assistance in spreading my good name here in town. And like I said, we're here for my parents, you know, to support them, et cetera. So it was taking a look at myself and being honest and saying, okay, one, yeah, okay, I kind of get the marketing thing, but I'm also, I mean, since I'm older, marketing to me is a little bit more foreign than to some of the younger folks in this world in their 20s and 30s and even 40s. I had an intern who set up my Instagram and face, you know, all of that stuff. So he yeah, has better helped than me. nothing for sure. Yeah. Andrew has helped me um, with the bigger picture of where I want to go. We love Andrew Joseph. He has been on the show, actually. He was on our podcast last year, and he's terrific. And he and I actually have a meeting on Friday, and we may have some interesting news to announce shortly, but that's all I'll say about that. He's good energy. He is amazing energy, and he's adorable. He's so cute. Yeah, he's got good energy, and he's pushing my little old ass into doing things that I wouldn't have thought about necessarily or doing it in a different way. So he's helping me on a national level. I'm gonna I'm a style spotter um, right. for 2020 at High Point, for example. Nice. That's more of a, a national bit of exposure. Of but here in town, one of the things that I quickly caught on to is Santa Fe is actually very small. The city itself, we have about 85,000 people. So it's very community. Who do you know? Who cuts your hair? Where do you shop? Where do you eat? Very community. Everybody knows everybody. And I actually come from an old New Mexican family. My last name, Sanchez, comes from northern New Mexico here, which is why my parents retired, because my dad wanted to come back to his home state. So it's been really neat. People say to me when I tell them what my name is, and and they ask (laughs) Sanchez, which Sanchez family, and I tell them, they all say, welcome back. Welcome home. Oh, cool. I know, that really, really amazing. Nice. I have to say, um, I've been saying Sanchez like a gringa. Is that okay? Oh, it's okay. That's my brother says it that way. And he's, <laughs> anyways. Okay. So, one of the things that I've done is I've really started joining a lot of things. Okay. Networking is awesome. That's key. Networking is so important because, again, it's a personal business. If they like me, then they might tell somebody or they might, um, use me themselves or whatever it may be. But getting out has been the best marketing for me. And every time I give out a card, I go, card for you and one for your friend too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you could do like me, here's one for you and nine for your friends. I want to ask you, before we get into the What Up Wingnut round, I have one last question that I've been dying to ask you. And I'm sure that all the listeners are out there saying, but what about this? What about this? And I want to talk to you about having a showroom as an interior designer, having a physical place where I could leave sweaty butt prints on your sofa. In this day and age of digital shopping, you have the Amazons, you have the Wayfarers, and we've already discussed some of the benefits. Like when you do have a physical client, you are going to have a physical interaction with them. You can bring them into your showroom and you can do the things that we've discussed already. But from a retail store point of view and a showroom point of view, how do you compete with those giants in this changing world that you, things are changing? 
I read all the trade periodicals that come through my door. I think they're so valuable. And yesterday, I read an article in Home Accents today, and I highlighted this quote because I thought I would have to throw it out today on this podcast. And basically, I'm a firm believer that brick and mortar is here forever. I believe our more educated consumers want brick and mortar. I believe that people are going to price shop you on occasion, my design clients and my store clients, my, my, not necessarily the, the onesies, but my repeat clients, they were very, very loyal. They believed in my quality that I was offering them. We would frequently price check before tagging on the floor. For example, there visual you comfort, you know, mm-hmm. Circa has uh, retail stores now. So we would price check that and uh, be competitive, but people still want an experience. It's way more fun, right? It's way more fun fun to go in and have that tactile experience to smell the candles, to exactly to see it in front of you in three dimensions. And I think a lot of people, even though we love, I'm going to be the first to admit to you, I am contributing to this downfall of some of the retail because I'm addicted to Amazon Prime. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened to this store that was here <laughs> that I love to go into? So, addicted? You mm-hmm. bought a car. She bought a car without seeing it. I did. I bought a Tesla without seeing it. <laughs> okay. I could have done that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, when it comes to these luxury brands, we're like, how can you go wrong? Yeah, you can't. You can't. But So the quote yesterday that I read said that price does not make something a good value. The reality is there's always somebody cheaper. That's the quote. Mm-hmm. And then the statistic says, and most online transactions, 43% are for books, music, and video while home furnishings is just under 20%. Okay, so there's a, there's a little sunlight on the, on the situation that's encouraging. Yeah, I really like that. And like I said, you know, I highlighted it and paper clipped it and it's on my desk for the podcast and <laughs> Framed you know. It. Um, you know, <laughs> I just think that people want the experience and the more educated you are, and I don't mean educated like you have a master's or a PhD. Sure. I mean, educated in terms of shopping experiences, home decorating experiences, etc. The more experience you have in that area, the more value you see in getting in your car and experiencing the sofa, the quality, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, people just want to know what they're going to sit on. As we get older, we have bad backs <laughs> and um, comfort becomes very, very important. So online shopping for a sofa f- for the majority of older folks doesn't really happen. That is true. Most of my clients at Darla Powell Interiors, I mean, I don't think we've had one buy one just straight off our recommendation that we sat our asses in it at high point. They had to sit in it themselves. So that's an excellent point. And I have one more just one more thing for you before we get into the what up bringing it around, just the bottom line before we close out this conversation. To you, it's worth it to open up a showroom. It has helped your bottom line for your interior design side. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Then there, that's it. So now, Victoria Sanchez or Sanchez. San- <laughs> Sorry. I'm so, so it's Sanchez. Sanchez. Well, you know, I live in Miami. You think I would have caught, caught on to this by now. <laughs> Are you ready for the what up wingnut round? Yes. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I would be a dogwood because I find them, well, it's a Virginia state tree for one. They're everywhere. I love them. But I find them to be so graceful. Love that answer there. Like me. (laughs) You can say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Fun. Oh, 
Okay. I, I, I can see that for sure. If you could have only one superpower, what would it be and why? I would like to be kind of like the Good Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Glinda, I think Glinda, it was, yeah. with her with her wand. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to just have that little wand with fairy dust. And when people are being a-holes, I'd like to just kind of take that wand and go, you know, and, and, explode them. and they're kind. No, they turn into <laughs> oh, okay. kind. And so people are kind to each other. It would be like, I'd be like the kindness queen. I love that. That's I, that's, very... That would be my superpower. That would make the world a better place for sure. And last but not least, please recommend a book that has had a profound effect on you either personally or professionally. This is an old book. It's called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And it's by Betty Smith. And many, many, many people have never heard of this. It was first published in the 40s. And I read it when I was a child. And I've read it many times over about a young girl that looks out her window. And she has a tree that is on her street, but she's a dreamer. And it made me feel like when I was a little girl that I could dream and I could do something else. It taught me how to dream for myself, I think, and to dream big. And that wasn't something that came in our family. That's a beautiful recommendation. A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. I love that. And I love that it's from the 40s. That actually makes it really nice, really nice and retro. There aren't any dirty words or bad things. It's oh, just I'm all. Out. Forget it. It's. <laughs> 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 anyway, so yep, so there you go. That's Vic- me. Victoria, thank you for sharing your nuggets of wisdom on opening a retail store for your interior design business. Please tell the wingnuts listening where they can go to find out more about you. Check me out on my website, which is victoriaathome.com. I am going to be in high point for all of you high point goers. I'll be the Style Spotter 2020, so I'll be running around in sneakers and um, probably an Hermes scarf. And um, so (laughs) you'll be able to find me there. (laughs) I've been a mentor to designers when I was in Alexandria. So always happy to share some wisdom. If anyone feels so inclined to reach out, happy to respond and um, see if I can be of help. What a terrific, terrific offer, guys. You'd be dumb not to go shoot her a little email there and pick her brain. And you know, Natalie and I are always at high point. We should run into you. Um, I think we're going to spring market right now. We're still it's we're still in discussions, but if we do, we'll look for you in your air maze scarf there. Yeah. <laughs> Victoria Sanchez. Sanchez. <laughs> Thank you for being a good sport and enduring the wing nuts and joining us on the podcast today and sharing all your tips. You have an amazing day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good fun and good work, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, absolutely. Natalie Ann, the crime fighting giraffe. Yes, Darla. You know what I really love about the idea of having a showroom that we touched on in our interview here with Victoria Sanchez? Go ahead. I'm listening. She's bringing in her clients. She's showing them the sofa. They're touching the sofa. She's taking clients in and saying, here you go. And it's just solid. It's just solid. And right now, I think we had this conversation with Cheryl Keyes, Clinton, and please stand by. Freedom! Where we discussed how important that was. Versus traipsing around all over Miami to different showrooms. God, what a pain in the ass just to take them to yours. I, I love that idea. And she and Cheryl both are like, brick and mortar ain't dead. It ain't going to die. People still want that experience. And it's worth it. It's worth all the monies. 
I don't know if I took that necessarily away from, from our podcast. <laughs> of but, course um, you didn't. No, of course. I took it as a different thing. Um, she basically walked us through the steps of how to open a showroom when you are in the younger design phase to when you want to phase out into an, a different time in your life towards the end of your career and how to set that up till you could do that to where you didn't have to have a staff of six and you didn't have to do you could have your own hours yeah she has i both. thought that was pretty brilliant she had it from both angles there which i found i thought was pretty helpful and where the location part holy cow they're that, two, two totally different yeah, yeah completely right? yeah exactly but it's all about when she was younger in her earlier part of her career mm-hmm. to the latter part of her career and I, I just that's what i took away i wasn't thinking about sitting in a sofa. Although I did find it really funny when they were in a bathroom and she says, yeah, you might be sitting on a toilet talking about the design. <laughs> that part was hilarious. I tend to do that anyway, sit on their toilets because we have to travel so freaking far to get there. I always have to pee. <laughs> uh, well, really, nobody needs to know that, darling. It's all, every, thanks. like every client we go to. It's like, oh my gosh, is it okay if I use your restroom? <laughs> it's true. I have like the bladder the size of a walnut. So if you guys are thinking of opening up a retail store, some food for thought to keep in mind. And how giving was Victoria's offer of reaching out to her and kind of mentoring you through the process. She's really super, super excited about educating designers on the business side. And good for her because it's, I think it's something that's just a long time coming. It needs to happen. It's good to know we can pick her brain. Absolutely. All right, guys. So if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. Be sure to follow us on social at Wingnut Social or give us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT, that's W-I-N-G-N-U-T, to find out about our special sauce social media marketing services for you guys, the interior design industry, and your hot little friends who maybe aren't in interior design. We can pretty much do it all. I think that's it. Now, you got anything else? Nope. So long. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for more business and marketing info and insightful interviews with industry experts and design superstars. Can't wait? Then head on over to wingnutsocial.com for more great content to help you get your business to the next level. Three decades. Her new showroom and design firm recently reloop. Doing so well. Doing so well, darling. The 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 heck did people find out exactly who Victoria Sanchez was? What Victoria Holm wore? Holm? No, I'm really not. I need to though. Maybe. Good boy, Mango.